please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, and we've got a, an exciting show this week. If, if you tuned in last week, you know that my, my beautiful wife, Jessie, was on her way to a meeting of, um, it was new News Under the Gold Dome or something like that. It was co-sponsored by Moms Demand uh, Insanity and the, the Mayor Michael Bloomberg group. So they were going to be talking about all the horrible things that have happened in the last couple of years, allowing you know scary people who do background checks to own guns in contravention of you know what every good sensible person besides the founding fathers believes you know people should be able to do. So. Uh, Jesse went off to to this wonderful, fun-filled meeting while I I went home and cleaned. You know, after listening to these people talk, I think that their names should be changed to moms making demands regarding things they don't understand in America. Okay. Because they really don't understand firearms or the laws they think are bad laws. They don't get it at all. When you hear them try to explain what the laws are about, it's completely over their heads. So I, I think that this may be a low IQ issue. Well, at least a, a low low uh, information voter perspective. So you, you say they don't understand what they're talking about. Let's let's delve into that a little bit, just to to get the ball rolling. Well, one of the first things that was said that that showed me that there was a complete lack of understanding was the woman referred to the gentleman that carried a gun into the Hartsfield Jackson airport mm-hmm. and said that he was carrying an AK-15. I love AK-15. I mean, that's it's the, the best, best of both worlds. Right? AK-15. Best of both worlds. You, you get, you know, the reliability of an AK-47 and the whatever is good about an AR-15 all rolled into one. Well, when I hear AK-15 and I'm going, what the uh, heck is an AK-15? And then I'm like, oh, no, she's really that stupid. Okay, cool beans. So now I've got an idea of what I'm dealing with. Well, how, what, what were their plans to, to do in the legislature? They want to make sure that people can't carry guns into the airport. Well, you can't carry guns and get on an airplane with a gun. And that was the issue, okay? The reason that, that the guns are outlawed beyond the checkpoints was because of hijacked airplanes. And it wasn't even about guns. It was about box cutters. That's how the guns were hijacked in the first place. But it came down to no weapons at all past those checkpoints. Like, that's nail clippers, nail files, a bottle of lotion over an ounce or something. I mean, anything they think that you could, I guess, squirt in somebody's eyes. You wouldn't want to moisturize a pilot. No. I mean, my I mean, goodness. We like dry pilots. We like their dry humor. Anyway, <laughs> they um, honestly believe that they're irrational fears. And I say irrational fears because the fear they have is, is not rational at all. They think that those irrational fears are a good reason to take away somebody's rights. When they said, well, I'm going to have to send my 17-year-old to school when they start college with a a gun because of the guns on campus. A, your 17-year-old can't have a gun. And B, you're trying to protect them from law-abiding citizens. But the criminals that were carrying onto the campuses daily that could have raped or robbed your 17-year-old daughter never crossed your mind. 
that is kind of astounding when we start to think about, you know, the, the larger perspective on all this. I mean, there are crimes that happen on campus every single day. And if you look broadly across the country, somebody is is violently injured on a college campus or murdered every single day so there was a few years ago in north carolina of course that's where i hail from in my most recent years where there was a young lady who was kidnapped at gunpoint taken to the atm to withdraw money and then murdered Mm -hmm. and she was like class president of her class Right. And, and, you know, very good student. And who would have known? Was it a law-abiding citizen with a firearm that robbed her at gunpoint? No, it was a convicted felon that did this. And how do they get these firearms? Will they steal them? And there's no way to stop them from stealing firearms. You can limit honest people. They're still going to get them from other countries. We, we cracked down on drugs in America, so they started getting them from Mexico. And we look at, you know, the... the the demographics nationwide at college campuses and you say okay so how do you best protect yourself and you could protect yourself by a legally owned firearm but state after state has said no you've got to be 21 to possess a, a firearm now georgia fortunately is not one of those states we allow you to possess a firearm at 18 including handguns but you still can't buy ammunition until you turn 21, and you're looking at all of these regulations where we say that you're perfectly capable of joining the military, of uh, going to another country, of being given a, an assault weapon and defending freedom in a foreign land, but we don't trust you to carry a handgun for personal protection on your college campus. What gets me is these people were saying, we don't want campus carry passed in Georgia. Campus carry passed in Georgia last year. It went into effect on July 1st, and the only reason we're not carrying now is because of Governor Nathan Deal's inability to put the law into the law books as it was passed. Well, I, I personally take the same stance. I think that that's absolutely ridiculous that a, a bill can be voted on unanimous in the, I believe it was the House, and with only one dissenting vote in the Senate, and in spite of that, not become law, according to the governor, even after he signs it. But these women and moms demand action say, oh, well, we haven't passed campus carry. We haven't passed campus carry. And in my 20-some conversation, 20-some minute conversation at the end of this meeting with this woman was, we have indeed passed campus carry. It was what, House Bill one. 141 40, I guess yeah. I'm not sure but but it passed last year and went into effect July 1st the issue was it was not put into the Georgia code annotated which has been in several episodes we've done we, we've mentioning this over and this over over and over but it's you know the misinformation's out there and prosecutors don't know it judges don't know it moms demand action doesn't know it which doesn't really surprise me but for the rest of the the community especially the law enforcement community this is a travesty of justice in the greatest proportion well you know i'm sitting here i'm talking about the the things they don't understand they're lobbying against things they don't understand they were saying that the way you stop all the criminals from committing crimes with guns is to stop straw purchases, which I would agree that straw purchases could be an issue. Yes, straw purchase is a bad thing. But when we defined a straw purchase, this is not the gentleman that's walking around the gun show with a sign around his neck that says, I have a, a Taurus blah, blah, blah for sale or for $450 or an AK-15, yeah, for, for X amount of dollars. 
because this gentleman is most likely knows enough about firearms if he's walking around the gun show that he's going to ask for somebody's weapons carry permit before he tries to sell it to him. He's not just going to sell them to any jack leg in the parking lot. This is not a straw purchase. This is the purchase and then later sale of your own personal property. The only straw purchases that I've ever come in contact with. It happens with, at an FFL. With, with over, it's been, shoot, at this point, well over a decade of criminal law experience, including working at ATF for a brief time. The only straw purchases I've ever seen were when Mayor Michael Bloomberg employed people to do straw purchases to prove a point. Mayor Michael Bloomberg is a joke. He's just a freaking joke. And his little group, Every Town USA, is a joke. And they were at the meeting as well. Mm-hmm. And when they start talking, this was the, the man that was talking about sending his 17-year-old daughter to college with a firearm. And I'm like, you're so against firearms, but you're wanting to arm your child who has no experience with firearms. But you want all the rest of the people that have been carrying for 20 years to go get training. And I see double standards, crazy double standards. Well, now I'm going to have to arm my daughter. No, you don't have to arm your daughter. If you're that freaking scared, put her through online college and let her sit at home so you can protect her with whatever it is you think you've got to protect her with because you're sure not going to do it with a firearm in your home. You you lost me, Jesse. So he wants kids to carry guns and you're against that? No, he does not want kids to carry guns. He was making a sarcastic statement. I I think we should take him up on his offer to start, you know, making... Lobbying for 17-year-olds to carry guns to college? Because the... Anytown USA's official stated position is that 17-year-olds should be allowed to get a license and carry in Georgia. If if they're allowed to ca- campus carry, that was his argument on campus carry was, well, if there's going to be people on on the t- campus with my child with guns, then my child should have a gun. Absolutely. I agree with him. Every Everybody who is physically capable and emotionally stable to carry a firearm should. So we agree with Anytown USA that everyone should carry guns. I'm not disagreeing that everyone should carry a gun. I'm just saying that he has a double standard. One minute he's pro and one minute he's con. And you got to take it or leave it. It's not, you can't dip out of both bowls. Well, let's support him as long as he's pro and then we'll turn against him when he's con. And it sounds like they're pro. So Yahoo, are you listening, Governor Deal? Uh, Anytown USA supports campus carry as long as their kids get to carry too. And I'm all in favor of that. Now, one of the other things I saw there was you can't get them to understand the difference in law-abiding citizens versus people that are federally restricted from owning a firearm, as in felons, people that have been mentally decapacitated, I guess. Incapacitated. Incapacitated. They're they're mentally ill, mentally stable. They've been committed against their will or or by a judge, Mm -hmm. you know. So when, when they say... Well, these kids at Columbine, they said Columbine was a result of a straw purchase. No, it was a result of a theft. It was the result of a theft. It had nothing to do with a straw purchase. And I said that, and they argued with me. Oh, what did they say? I know. They said that one of those kids uh, bought those guns from someone. No, they stole them out of someone's basement. Yeah. That was in the news. And when I said, no, those were a theft, they said, no, Adam Lanza was a theft. He stole those from his mother. That's true, too. That is, that is true. But Columbine was the result of a theft, not straw purchases. Let's get that straight. The person that owned those guns to begin with was legally allowed to have them. Mm-hmm. At, um, the two kids from Columbine broke into that person's house and stole those guns out of his basement. And then took them to the school and, and did their destruction. But anyway, we're on a commercial break. We've run a few seconds over. So we'll be back in just a few minutes.
now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. We're back, and we were just talking about the, the, the effect of Columbine and Adam Lanza and the, the meeting that Jesse went to last week. So you, you were saying? After Columbine, it created some fear in people about, you know, guns being on campuses. But my official position in this has always been if the, the teachers and the parents and the faculty were allowed to, to carry firearms, stuff like this wouldn't happen. And proof positive of that is Campus Carry in Oklahoma, where they passed Campus Carry in 2008, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been a single school shooting in Oklahoma, not a single incident with a firearm on school property in Oklahoma since 2008. Well, I mean, it, that was 2008 till now. I mean, that's what, a couple of months? That's how many years? We're in 2015. It's seven years. So seven years without a single school incident with campus carry proves a point. And let's let's compare that to New York City for a second, right? New York City, where do we begin? <laughs> I you know I I'm this, these are the arguments we've had over and over and over for years, and it doesn't seem to make a difference. And this is when when you went to this thing, I told you, don't try to argue with them. Argue for the audience because you're never going to change their opinions. They're bought and paid for. They've got a billionaire backing them up to say their things. Even though they're apparently pro-campus carry, at least in some, some fashions, they still are not going to be swayed from what their marching talking points are in these seminar callers. So, and no matter what you say to them, they always fall back to... This isn't about the Second Amendment. We're not trying to take your guns. No, you're trying to take my freedom with my gun. And see, the Second Amendment says my right to have and bear firearms shall not be infringed. What part of shall not be infringed do they not understand? That means that you're not going to infringe on my freedoms in any way. Do you think that they would support infringing? Well, actually, I guess this is kind of a... a fortuitous example because all of our rights are being infringed that's all of true them. i mean true. i was going to say do you think they'd support you know the type of infringements that are prevalent on the second amendment on the first amendment or the fourth amendment or the eighth amendment well but then, sure they on. do because if you say you don't stand by barack obama's policies these are the same people that will tell you in a swift incident that you're a racist and you you want to go on top of that and talk about everything that's been eroded on the fourth amendment with search and seizure the nsa spying and everything thank, else thank you patriot act i mean we we don't have a shall not be infringed kind of means whatever the government wants to do at this point now what are they scared of they're not trying to take the firearms away from the felons we're, we're down to the point where we know that they can't get the firearms away from the felons because in order to stop crime you'd have to eliminate one of three for every potential crime motive opportunity or ability so if they've got an opportunity to commit the crime and they have the want to to commit the crime but they, they're not able to commit the crime it won't happen but if we take guns away from everyone in the U.S., say just for a moment that we're going to remove firearms from every home in the U.S., there's going to be a giant confiscation. Every law-abiding citizen that has a, a carry license or is on um, a list for where they NFA purchased a firearm with the FFL or, yeah, in a NFA registry, no kidding. Every law-abiding citizen has their guns taken away. But how do they know which felons have guns or not? They're not going to be allowed to search every home of a felon. They don't have that kind of manpower. 
In so the, what would happen? I mean, in the end, we, we have regulated the ability of people who should not have firearms to the fullest extent that we possibly can. We can't so, take it any further because even if we stop manufacturing them in the, in the U.S., stop selling them in the U.S., and confiscate all of them in the U.S., they're going to come in from other countries. When we outlawed drugs, marijuana, I'm going to use marijuana as an example. When we outlawed marijuana in the U.S. in, what, the 50s, 40s? It's been a while back. That's when the the revolution started coming. Free love started in the 60s, and everybody was at Woodstock, and they were all higher than 40 kites. Jimi Hendrix fans. Jimi Hendrix fans. Uh, they were high, too. And, and, you know, no woman, no pride. You know, him, he was high. They were all rocking the gong. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. But anyway. Did you, as, as a point of, of reference, did you know that, that Bob Marley's, like, famous song, I Shot the Sheriff, was actually a soundtrack number from a western i'm sure it was anything that's western related you're going to bring it up (laughs) so back to my point is they outlawed it in the u.s and they say okay we're not going to let anybody grow it we're not going to let anybody sell it and if they do it's federally it's a federal crime so if the states don't prosecute it the feds will Unless Obama's in office, then we'll just kind of... Well, we've done all all kinds of things have happened since Obama's in office, but that's beside the point. Um, So, what happened then? How did people start getting the marijuana? Well, they started getting it illegally. It didn't stop them from getting it. In fact, marijuana use is at a higher percentage now than it ever has been in the past. It's just everybody does it in the closet. They do it secretly. Except for in Colorado and and Alaska. Well, I'm going to tell you, last year I was in Colorado driving through Colorado when I was freight expediter and I walked into a flying J bathroom and I I went sniff sniff it it kind of reminds me of the bathroom in high school oh OMG that's marijuana I smell they're smoking pot in the flying J bathroom and I thought for a second girl get out of here before you get arrested and then I realized oh wait we're in Colorado no harm no foul I just covered my mouth so I didn't get a contact (laughs) use the bathroom you know (laughs) but seriously so are you like bill clinton you never inhaled then i didn't inhale i sure didn't but that's beside the point my point is we've outlawed it it still comes into the country it's still a problem where does it come from it comes from the countries that border us mostly the south american ones or, or central american you know there's a lot of marijuana that comes in through mexico if there wasn't, then George Jung would have never started off in, in California the way he did and ended up in federal prison for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So where's it go? Where's it come from? It's not going to come from inside of our country. Go ahead and outlaw it. When you do, it's still going to be a problem. Only the big problem then is going to be there's no, no way for the private citizens to defend themselves against the psychopaths that's got illegal guns from other countries. I, I'm sorry. The whole argument's a red herring because none of this has anything to do with crime. None of this has anything to do with guns, really. All it is entirely can be boiled down to is the same thing that we were talking about last week with the Cobb County Board of Commissioners being afraid of the people. And this is, it is government afraid of law-abiding citizens. And that's where I was eventually getting. It's when we can't eliminate the crime, we're not trying to eliminate the crime. We realize we can't eliminate the crime we're going to make you think that that's what we're trying to do but really what we're trying to do with regulating your firearms rights is keep you from ever having the opportunity to to defend yourself against a government that's overinflated overgrown and overcorrupt i mean the the preamble to the second amendment lays out the whole thing quite succinctly 
a, a well-regulated militia, uh, essential for the security of a free state, the right to own, keep, and bear arms shall not be infringed. And the whole part of the first half of that, which is not a throwaway clause, you know, you get some gun rights activists who's like, oh, that's a throwaway clause. What matters is that own, keep, and bear arms. Well, no, it's a whole thing. The militia is every single person in the United States who is of age and capability to defend this country. And when I say defend the country, it's defending it against not only people who would come in and drop bombs on us and try to take over land, but also people who would erode our freedoms and destroy the country from inside out with rot. So we're not talking about defending ourselves against the 70-some operatives that ISIS says they have here, but our own corrupt well, We're talking about defending government. against them and not against only. robbers and yeah. against a corrupt government and against... what the, the, best, the best sum up of the Second Amendment I have ever heard comes from The Simpsons, believe it or not. Okay, everything for you comes from The Simpsons, but shoot. There was an episode where they were talking about gun ownership, and one of the characters said, look, there's three reasons to own a gun. To shoot dangerous and delicious animals, to defend myself and my loved ones, and to keep the King of England out of my face. Yeah. And that's really, those are the three legitimate reasons for owning a firearm. Right there, summed up succinctly and perfectly. Except now, we don't have the King of England. We don't have one tyrant... 2,000 miles away, we have 2,000 tyrants one mile away. And here we are, and looking at our rights, our rights consume all of these different aspects. Now, do I think that we're at a point where we are, are needing to exercise our firearms rights to overthrow a government? Not even close. I mean, that's, that's not where America is. America has all of these opportunities. We have patriots who are fighting in every step of the way. Just look at Georgia over the last 10 years. and Look how far we've come in expanding our rights and doing wonderful things for the citizenry of Georgia. Obviously, the, the system works, the process works, this is all there. But when you start to see these laws that come down the pike that say, hey, we need to take guns Guns away from honest, law-abiding citizens. There can only be one logical reason for passing a law like that, and that is that they are afraid of honest, law-abiding people. Why would you be afraid of an honest, lying, honest, law-abiding person only if you are a dishonest, lying person who is trying to take away what they have rightfully? That's true. You know, moms making demands regarding things they don't understand in America, one of their members said... Georgia has the worst gun laws in the United States right now. And I thought, no, we don't. We're like one of the best. <laughs> We're number three. And then I realized, oh, wait, I'm not hanging out with Georgia Carey. I'm surrounded by crazy women every, and, every, and men. Everything that we say is good, they say is bad. And they're polar, polar opposites of everything that we believe in. So now here's the question. They were so scared of our members. Oh, oh my God! We'll, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> let, let me finish my astroturf comment, okay? If if moms demand action, if Michael Bloomberg, if if uh, any town USA is really going to be a force, they're going to have to have members who are as passionate, as involved, as real as GeorgiaCarry.org members, because that's why all the changes have happened here in Georgia. It would not have happened if this was some kind of astroturf group that was just lobbying the legislature. Instead, because there are thousands of people who send emails, who call, who show up at the the Capitol building and get their voices heard, things change. Now, and, and this was. Said by one of their members, but we're coming up on a commercial break here, so we're going to continue with this thought when we come back. Stay tuned. And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. 
Welcome back, everybody. You know, we're talking about the, the grassroots nature of Georgia Carey. And, you know, one of the statements that was made at that meeting was the reason Georgia Carey is so powerful is because they have a strong membership that calls and emails their legislatures. Yep. Well, we've been saying that for months well, here. We know this already. But see, the the issue is they don't have enough people in this area right now. They're talking about how Georgia Carey has people south of the city and north of the city and, and compacted in the city. So we're able to go down there to the Gold Dome and, and fight for what we believe. But there's not enough of them. So they're trying to um, boost their members. Now, if there's any way I can go to these meetings and, and tell their members where the where the thinking is flawed or they're the proposed members, because the members that they have now, you're not going to change their way of thinking unless they see their sister gunned down in the street in front of them. And they realize, wow, if I'd have had a gun, I could have stopped that. Well, I think you're not going to change their way of thinking until you get a bigger checkbook giving them money to vote the other way. I mean, that's really what the, where these people are coming. And I think you're pretty on target with that, where money, these are the kind of people that, that only respond to, to money. And so as long as Michael Bloomberg is paying this woman at the beginning, of the, at the forefront of this, what is her name? Oh, we're, we'll call her M. As long as he's paying M. M is going to keep trying to to boost membership and 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 cherry pick facts and tell lies to get people to call the legislators and do Michael Bloomberg's bidding. But I have a message for Michael Bloomberg. This is Georgia. Stay in New York. We don't want you here. We don't want your group here. We don't want you here. You go where you need to be in New York. We don't care about New York, but in Georgia, we're pro-Second Amendment. I think you stole someone's mem there because that was what the legislature told him when they enacted the law to keep him from doing more straw purchases down here. Then I agree. I agree with them. that He, he just needs to keep his rotten, scandalous hanian in New York and let the Georgians tend to Georgia. That's right. I mean, although, you know, I'm a transplant, so I'm not Georgian by birth or, I'm, or heritage. I'm not Georgian by birth. I'm Georgian by choice. <clears throat> I wasn't born here. But just because I chose to be a member of this great society we call Georgia. Yeah, because we have real freedom here in a way that many other states don't. I mean, you look at our, our criminal system, you look at our juvenile system, you look at our, our legislative system, you look at the way that we do things statewide. It's just a better way of doing things than any other state I've been in. And if we look at how we're going to go forward in the future, all of this comes into play. And we need to be active. We need to be in contact with our legislatures. And we need to be members of GeorgiaCarry.org. And that's something that, you know, I, I can't stress enough. You know, I've been a member of GeorgiaCarry.org for years. And I know that you became a member, like, the moment you moved into the state. And we look at this wonderful organization. And, I, I mean, my kids, John was a member. My son John was a member, like, 30 seconds after he was born. And we all believe in what this wonderful organization does. And if you want to be a member of georgiacarry.org, you go to georgiacarry.org. In the top left-hand corner, there's a Join Now button. You click there, 20 bucks a year. You can be a member. You can get the legislative updates. You can be involved, find out everything that's going on. You can also go to a chapter meeting, North Georgia, South Georgia, anywhere in Georgia. You can find a local chapter meeting and get to go. And you can sign up there and have good camaraderie and some great food and maybe even shoot some guns and enjoy yourself. And if not there, go to a festival. Any one of the festivals that are going on, Georgia Carry gets a booth popped up. Gun and you shows. Can, gun shows. You can make that straw purchase of a GeorgiaCarry.org membership. You know that whole gun show loophole they, they rag on that doesn't exist, you know. Imaginary loopholes and You can you can pin the gun show loophole closed with a gun saves live button. Yes, you sure can. 
In fact, you can get one of those free at the Georgia Carry booth at any of your local gun shows. So if you're listening to this broadcast and you're not a GeorgiaCarry.org member, you need to become one just so that we have the voice that we need in the legislature that we can keep things moving and shut down the astroturf that comes in from out of state. Now I want to talk about the fear, their irrational fear, their irrational fear. When I first walked into this meeting, the woman behind me wasn't 100% sure of who I was, although some people... Um, that were there did recognize me right off the bat. Apparently, they've been stalking our Facebook pages. That's aside the point. The woman behind me says, were there men out there with guns when you came in? And I thought, well, no, not that I noticed, but I don't really look for that. And I was like, well, not that I'm aware of. Why? And she's like, well, there were some men out there uh, with guns. And I said, well, why does that bother you? And she just looked at me, and then she got up and moved away from me. She realized I was one of them. (laughs) Well, you know, there's two schools of thought here. One is that, you know, by open carrying guns, by being, you know, visible at these places, you're going to scare the sheep and you're going to create a bad impression. The other idea is is that a right not exercised is a right lost. And so where do you come down on that debate? In the end, you know, it's a personal choice. Well, see, I, I come down on the debate kind of in the middle. I think that we shouldn't go and deliberately try to strike fear into our adversaries just because we can, because that's not furthering our movements. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. I also believe that a right not exercises a right lost. So if you're going to carry, do so um, with a purpose and very gracefully and and. Do it to where we kind of desensitize people to it because that fear is I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to some other things that people were scared of in the 80s. Everybody was scared of homosexuality and slowly we've become desensitized to that fear because of things put in the media and television strategically placed. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that if we carry our firearms strategically and with purpose and gracefully. We can desensitize people to that fear. I, I heard an analogy um, a while back about open carry that I'm going to throw out there and get your opinion on. So, if, op- is this the open carry? Is this is, the yes? The theory o- that was introduced at our wedding about open carry. Open carry is like nude beaches. The people who you want to see doing it don't, and the people you don't want to see doing it do. Oh, this is not the one that was. Um, yeah, have you ever been to a beach? Well, I'm going to tell my experience at a beach. I accidentally, I was looking for a beach in Florida to attend, and I accidentally wandered upon a place called Playa Linda. And on the north end of Playa Linda, unbeknownst to me until I parked and got out with my beach chair and my towel, and I climbed over the up the steps and crossed the dunes, and of course there's all these people that are kind of not clothed in any way and they were all in their like 70s and 80s and some of them had been in the sun so long that their skin looked like your leather belt (laughs) and so i'm gonna kind of say you know the people that nude beaches are not the people that really you would want to see in that state at the same time i don't agree so with firearms i think that anyone who has a firearm and is not a felon, I am proud to see them carrying a firearm. I, I'm going to disagree. I think that there are some people who lack the common sense and proper decorum that's necessary for open carry. Well, this and is true with the gentleman in the airport now. 
there there's a, a thing there's a time and place for everything and carrying a sidearm in its holster into the airport to drop off your daughter and not making a big scene and not calling the media afterwards is a great thing but when you go walk in with an AK-15, according to the ladies at Mom's Demand, and then call the media afterwards and say, look at me, look at me, I carried a firearm into the airport and people stared at me and that was harassing. Dude, leave leave it at home and leave the drama at home. We don't care. Well, on the the opposite (laughs) end of the drama queens are the people who don't want to spend the money it takes to be safe. I'm thinking of people who throw a um, cheap firearm that may not have even any safety mechanisms involved in its construction into a nylon holster that is not properly fitted to it, maybe too small. It leans off of a belt that's not made for carrying that much weight on it, and the thing is flopping around in the breeze as they they walk around. I, I have seen these sorts of things happen, and people be proud of their Uncle Mike's holster. Now, you know, properly fitted, and I... I used to carry a Desert Eagle in an Uncle Mike's holster. You can do it. It involves stitching it. You have to, you know, form the thing to fit it so that it has some retention value because the way it comes out of the packaging, you know, is made to fit 37 different types of handguns, and it's just a bag, basically, that you're throwing the gun in. And, you know, this is the reason that I'm in the process right now. I'm, I am a seamstress. I'm in the process of designing a holster for women that can help us conceal or open carry with skirts because usually skirts don't have loops at the top and one of the mechanisms i'm designing is so you can change out the the holsters that aren't a universal holster you know like the kind you put through your belt that is specially fitted for a gun not an uncle mike's holster right just so that it will be safe and secured without having to worry about dropping your firearm because let's face it you don't want to be walking through the mall and bend over to pick up your kid's lollipop and drop your glock in the middle of, of the the shopping center and you know i think anybody who has gone the cheap route on holsters has had an incident like that whether it's at home homeless or abroad in front of a homeless guy where suddenly the gun is now skidding across the floor somewhere because they didn't have a good holster and that's you know a prerequisite if you're going to carry especially if you're going to open carry you need to have a good holster you need to be have you know a quality firearm and you need to know how to use it uh, folks we're coming up on a commercial break so we'll be right back Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We're here in our final segment, and so we're going to you know, kind of wrap up our discussion. But we also got to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly this week, Jess. And I've got some good, good, and bad, and ugly, and that's coming up. But I just wanted to finish up a few words about the Moms Demand Action Meeting. One of the biggest things they're harping on is about training. And then we're talking about required training to get a Georgia Weapons Carry License. And I don't agree that the the training should be required. And in fact, I brought up to the the women at the meeting after the meeting that why this, why are you bringing all this stuff up after the meeting? Because they made it to where you couldn't ask questions during the meeting. You had to submit in writing at the beginning of the the meeting before they ever went over anything any of the questions and in fact they cut the meeting short because georgia carry members were there and they didn't want to discuss their strategy in front of us they're that afraid of us well i think that that is a a definite siren song i think that georgia carry members should hear this and come flocking to these meetings so that we can be there and be if present. we can keep them from talking we can keep them from doing so every meeting they have we should go 
and make our presence known or possibly attend undercover and sabotage them. How many how many GeorgiaCarry.org meetings have you been to, Jess? Me? I go to chapter meetings all the time. I, I went to last year's convention with you when you spoke. I've, I've been to... How Probably many of those meetings 15. were cut short because they were afraid somebody might be listening in on them? Never once, because if one of these Moms Demand Action ladies showed up, we would welcome them off from a plate of food and discuss. How many times has Jerry Henry been on our show here in our old show that we used to do? Jerry Henry has been on, oh gosh, who could count? He right. Was on, like what, like week before last? How many times does he come in and say, I can't talk about this, this, and this because we don't want anyone knowing our strategy? Big fat never. Why is that? Because we're not worried about people knowing our strategy because we're on the up and up. There you go. So anyway, get out there and, and go to these meetings and, and keep these ladies from the to, from discussing their dirty little secrets. That's, there, that's Yeah, because we don't have anything to hide here. No. And we would love for them to come. In fact, I think that one of the guys who showed up probably with a few guns on his hip was, was got a little bit of a crush on one of the moms. Is that right? I was reading where he was inviting her to the convention on the Facebook. I don't think that that aw, was... Aw, a, aw, shucks, that was ma'am. not a crush. You, I you, think he was like trying to, to make her uncomfortable. with me? But anyway, I'm going to get to the good, bad, and ugly before you hurt somebody's feelings. You can be such a jerk sometimes. Anyway, the good this week comes from a Rasmussen, is that right? Rasmussen, yes. Rasmussen's report. On June 12th, um, Rasmussen released a nationwide poll showing that an overwhelming majority, majority of Americans support living in neighborhoods that allows them to own firearms. Now, it, being that this is a Rasmussen report, it's not that big a deal because Rasmussen's kind of right-wing. They're a little bit anyway, conservative in right? their polling data, just like Gallup is a little bit pro-communism. you know, communism. Now, that's the thing that kind of amazed me is because Gallup did one as well, and Gallup's r- reported that 63% of Americans believe a gun in the home makes it a safer place. So the... Um, they kind of reflect each other. They're within five points of each other, which was pretty amazing to me. And even um, a Washington Post ABC News poll reported the same thing, albeit their figure was 51%, but that was also in 2013, so we're two years ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's raised from 51% to 68% in just a few years, which means that people realize that guns make your home a safer place and not vice versa. When you're right 51% of the time, you're wrong 49% of the time. What can you do? You know, the other thing was that there was a majority of white middle-class women who were pro-gun, which is an increasing um, demographic, demographic mm-hmm. of women. And I, I say, come on, ladies, let's let's get out there and exercise our Second Amendment rights, too. I mean, who's going to mess with you when you're a gun-toting mama? So anyway, we're going to go to the bad. And the bad is good and bad. Mostly bad, but there's little bits of good in here. Little bits of good, you know, you can pick out of, of something that's bad. I think that it this could be good if we could change some of the way it is written. Okay. Federal bill seeks to use your taxes to bribe states to require gun licenses. Now, the way I think this could be good is federal bill seeks to use your taxes to bribe states to do away with gun licenses. <laughs> so, that was my idea. But it says... Um, It's bad enough that anti-gun members of Congress want to enact federal legislation to impose the elitist views of their coastal enclaves on the entire country. What's worse is that the typical big government fashion, they want to use your tax dollars, dollars to accomplish their schemes. The latest example of this is the Handgun Purchaser Licensing Act. For once... 
they named their act after what it actually does. Because usually they name it like the the Furry Puppies and Kittens Act. Firearms <laughs> Owners Protection Act. Yeah. At least it, this one has the distinction of having an honest tile, titles, which is a rarity for anti-gun legislation. Rather than establishing the licensing mandate at the federal level, this bill would create a federal grant program to bribe states to do, them, do it themselves. So this bill was sponsored by Senators Chris Murphy, Richard Blumenthal, and Elizabeth Etsy, all from Connecticut. Big surprise. And Chris Van Hollen from Maryland. And all these are pretty strong anti-gun states. In fact, Connecticut just maybe a couple years ago passed their law that was almost exactly like this, where you have to have a license to purchase a handgun in Connecticut. And these three represent, represents our representatives are claiming that since Connecticut passed that, that they've seen a 40% decrease in firearm homicide rates. But we're going to go over here because um, Mr. Lott, and you know Mr. Lott. Remember we discussed him before, John, yeah, John R. Lott. Lott. And yep. he's a renowned economist, and he just happens to be somebody that's really um, well-versed in gun statistics. Says that they're cherry-picking the data to show that Connecticut's had some kind of um, wonderful change in their homicide rates, when in re- reality, before they passed this, it was on the on the decline, and it's actually raised 12.9% since it was enacted. Wow. So I'm going to say to these representatives, come on, let's give us real data so we can be informed voters instead of trying to play mind games with us because we're not stupid. And as for the ugly... We're going to come down to the ugly. And this was my favorite one because this one just happens to be caused by one of our favorite Georgia gun owners because he's not the brightest crayon in the box. Um, Democrats will, Bill, will ban guns from airports. A House Democrat is introducing legislation to ban guns in the airport areas that are located before security checkpoints. Now, this comes after... I have a question for you. I have a question for you. What? So... Jesse, how many people go to these airports on a daily basis? I don't know, Doug. Why? Well, if we have so many people going to these airports on a daily basis and people start carrying heavy firearms into the airport, then couldn't the airport capsize? Very funny. Um, this is a reference to Representative Hank Johnson, who is the one that's going to introduce this bill. He's a Democrat from Georgia. Of course, Georgia Democrat. Let's re- realize that this guy has not a brain in his head. He's the same guy who asked one of our military leaders if we put tanks on Guam, would it capsize? The, you know, the island of Guam that's like seven miles wide and 12 miles long. He was afraid that we would sink an island. I mean... Little kids know you can't sink an island, but that's beside the point. His point was, um, he's going to call it the Airport Security Act of 2015, and he wants to prevent anyone other than police officers from carrying carrying guns at airports that are located before security checkpoints, even if they have a license to carry concealed weapons. This would effectively ban anyone being able to fly with a firearm, because right now you walk into the airport, you take it up to check baggage, they check it in for you, they put it, TSA screens in, it goes to your airplane. If you can't carry it into the airport property, how could you ever fly your firearm somewhere. Well, right now, some weapons can be packed into checked luggage if they are unloaded in locked cases. 
Johnson's office says the measure would expand Homeland Security's jurisdiction to include non-secure areas of airports and would ban the ban would include public transportation stops within airports if the gun owner departs the transit station at an airport. So basically they don't want you to bring your firearm onto airport property at all unless you are law enforcement, which means that if you decide that you're going to fly to Florida to see Uncle Dave and you can carry in Florida because we have reciprocation with Florida, you could not take your firearm to the airport and check it and let them lock it up and put it under the airplane in the cargo hold, you would have to leave your gun at home. So basically, they're going to take away your Second Amendment rights in another state because they're afraid. Can I, can I play Hank's comments on Guam now? Yes, you may. This is a... Uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. Duh. The 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 duh. Um, duh. There we go, Mr. Hank Johnson. I, I have to say that Guam cannot capsize. Duh. And and airports can't capsize either. And lawfully carried guns in airports don't cause any other trouble. So, folks, I think we're coming up really close to the end of the show. Uh, I don't know if you have anything you want to finish off with, Jess, but I, I think that we need to really stand firm to keep people from doing idiotic things in the legislature. And the best way to do that is be a georgiacarry.org member. Get involved. Go to these meetings, whether they're the Georgia Carry meetings or other groups' meetings, and make sure that people have the facts. Folks, this has been This Week on georgiacarry.org Radio. Tune back in on your local station. If you're not listening to us on the air, get us on the air in your station or listen to us at georgiacarry.org website. We'll be here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.